I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Um, we feel like we're back where we belong now. I'm back in the back in the lair, which is still has the scent of duck season ending. I, I've got to get a, a cleaning person. <laughs> well, that happened. Because- I mean, because look, we we share the podcast room with not only us doing this podcast, but there's been how many hunters come through here in the last two months? I mean, well, uh, you, you got to remember too. We had the uh, Veterans Day hunt. Yep. which is a week after duck season, which a portion of that may be on an upcoming in a unashamed podcast near you. <laughs> but it it's, was, it's first got to be viewed. And since there was nobody here, Jace, to actually produce you, we're, we're worried about your content. So Yeah, what had happened was <laughs> that we had an unashamed podcast and nobody told Al, Zach, Phil, or me. <laughs> But I just happened to be here, and so we did it. You know, that's the beautiful thing about Unashamed, Zach. Sometimes you just get together and a podcast breaks out. That's what happened. Well, so I, I'm, I'm looking on the on uh, the internet, and I see Chad Robichaux said, hey, we just filmed the Unashamed podcast. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I thought, he did it. I, I'm like going through and like, is this like a repeat? Is he like reposting something from the – I was like, no, they actually got together without any of the production crew – Knowing about it, and you guys filmed a podcast. They did so we'll, snag uh, one of the guys from the, the that actually knows how to turn things on. It wasn't Maddie because we because we know Maddie's a crack staff. She's our crack staff of one. Well, my 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 orders were were airtight and really reachable. Yeah, Phil showed up at the podcast, yeah. but unfortunately, he showed up after it was over. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking and around I said, for a while. Once again, said, they're said, using... I'm here, here for moral support, I guess, but after about 30 minutes, I said, I'm getting out of here. Well, because then we were doing Robichaux's podcast, and we didn't have a seat for you. Yeah. No, it was weird, because yeah. what was funny, though, is Phil came in and sat down, and I said, oh, Phil, are you supposed to be... <laughs> being here and phil started talking like he was on the podcast and yeah. so there's there's about three minutes of that footage so we're Maddie, you, we're, where, look where we're just all sitting here because <laughs> phil's talking but he didn't have a mic yeah, nobody's filming just, nobody's on you just in the darkness yeah and finally i said phil doesn't have a mic and you know they generally want to stay away from three minute pauses in a podcast. <laughs> Typically, <laughs> so so Maddie, yeah, so Maddie, the, the, cut that out there in editing. The term sure. "fix it in post" may be a tall order for this thing, but we'll get there. So hopefully, uh, well, we're giving you a lot of making the sausage here today because normally we have we're pretty much on top of where we're going and what we're doing with a lot of communication. But this was a impromptu podcast it was we took nine veterans and we'll talk about that and robichaux is uh, amazing he's just yeah. we love him and so then we in turn because you got to remember i felt like i was sitting at a table at a card game and, and i didn't know we were going to play cards <laughs> and i'm having to play the hand that i'm dealt which was Cy, Jay, and Robichaux. Which sounds and, to me like you were having a duck call room moment because this is, sounds like what they do. You know, yeah. they don't, nobody knows what they're doing. They just show up and play off of whatever size it happened. Yeah. But I'm sure it was entertaining and inspirational. It's funny. Once it goes through. Well, when I, put my, when I put my headphones on for the podcast today, <laughs> the first thing I hear, by the way, if my video is not on, it, this is the way, I mean, it's almost every time, if my video is not on, where you guys can't see me and I put my headphones on, I would say there's about a 78% chance that you're talking bad about me. And so this morning, Jace was like, oh, Zach really dropped the ball. And I was like, yeah, no surprise there. But we but did see fa- you, so I, I and I saw your headphones were on. Oh, so. you did, you oh, did yeah. see me? We did okay. see you. I knew you were okay. listening. Well, just, oh. just for the record, I can't drop a ball that I never had, so I've never had that ball. So. Well, I was in Virginia and got a text about it, but it was unfortunately it was the day before, so I didn't have a chance to do anything anyway. We were speaking. So. Well, the positive of that was we took nine veterans hunting, which was interesting, and we'll set that up in in that podcast coming up yeah and, uh, so they have a veteran weekend after duck season which i love that they do that That's, yeah and in a small way you're you know you're you're having an act of service because of their service i mean right. in a very small and way if you're not a vet 
you can't hunt. I mean, you can go hunting, you can blow the duck on all that, but you can't shoot. Only they can. Which yeah, I, I was, it. I was just guiding. Early guide. was the chef. I was the guide, yep. and we had two different groups. And uh, and my group only shot one duck. Yeah. And uh, and it wasn't because they weren't shooting. <laughs> so, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but, heard, but it was. I've already heard stories about it. It was. It was a good thing to do. We appreciate those guys. Yeah, my appearance was known because somebody looked around there, said, there's Phil sitting there. And I was like, I said, well, I'm not on camera. So I just, <laughs> I just said, yeah, well, I made it. Well, I, Dad, you've even come here. It was actually the studio audience. Dad's, Dad has learned from all these years of production, if if you're not on camera and you don't have a microphone, nobody is seeing you or hearing you. So you're just... well outside of a three minute speech. He got that. You know, he did give one speech. He told a story, which was funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Without a mic. Without a mic. So we can either sit there and look at each other, or y'all can just cut that out. And we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna fix that in post and talk about it. So Jason, I need some breaking news. Uh, can you hit breaking the news. breaking news? Yeah, breaking news. This is twice on this button. There we go. Breaking news. Uh, in my formerly, as Russ Limbaugh used to say, in my formerly nicotine-stained hands, uh, that's what he used to say. Uh, it's been a long time since my noir. This is a copy of Dad's new book. Uh, I could be wrong, but I doubt it, which I thought was a good picture of Dad on the cover as well. Yep. So this is it. Uh, we've been talking about it a little bit. You can go to I could be wrong, but I doubt it.com. We actually got a website. Uh, and you can pre-order the book. It comes out March the twelfth, so we're about we're about a month out. I love the slogan under "Why Jesus is Your Greatest Hope on Earth and in Eternity." Yeah, well said. And I have to say, Dad and I were talking about it. Um, I really look these this little four book series Dad has done has been outstanding. And Zach and I have been very involved in in producing the books, but this to me is the best one so far. I mean, it's really good, very Jesus centered, kind of like our podcast is, and it really just kind of brings everything we talked. A lot of the books we sort of looked at our ills of culture and and kingdom, but this one like brings it all home to me. So, well, isn't that the Bible? It is the Bible. That's exactly what it is. I mean, that it was is. that was my headline. Well, I have some breaking news. Ah, breaking news. Wait so, a minute. Breaking news. I had an two. epiphany yesterday during the worship portion. Of, that was. Are you the, like me when other people are preaching? You're thinking about. You start thinking about things you want to. Say. I'm worse than that. <laughs> I was sitting while everyone, I'm bad about that. I was sitting down while everyone else was standing and singing. And I had my little notebook here, and I was writing. And Missy punched me a couple of times and said, we're, we're all standing. I said, hey, I got it. <laughs> but I'm having a, a worship moment on paper. I do get a lot of moments and thoughts. Like, and it's usually sparked by other people's, what they're teaching or preaching. But a lot of times it will prompt me. And I, I'm like, Jay, I have to write it down right then when I'm thinking about it. So y'all thought I talked about the podcast that may never be shown because it was, wasn't, it was, it wasn't produced, that's for sure. <laughs> so, the reason I brought up Phil, or Phil interjected that he came, and he was supposed to be here, but lack of communication. Did no win. Right. production resulted in Phil being the studio audience. Well, in that same vein, yesterday I, I came really close from saying something because, so I have this epiphany as we're singing these worship songs. Because I'm thinking about where we're at in Luke. Yep. We've been studying for months. You know, we started in Luke 1, the beginning of the gospel, which we talked about a lot. And then all of a sudden, we're right at one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, yep. Luke 24. And I thought, I think we got to stop and not go paragraph by paragraph and get the overall message, because we're now at a moment in of history that is the moment of history. Correct. And so I don't want to miss, I, I, I had a fear, like as we're singing in that moment of the podcast, missing the forest for the trees. <laughs> so with that vein, I was just reading 23 and 24 thinking, what, what are the, what are the principles here? And one, one of the statements that was just like, 
I was seeing it just in all caps and flashing was, and we'll get to it in detail, but when Mary's at the tomb and these angels are there, you know, you have two in one account, one in the other, and there is a statement in verse 5 that says, why do you look for the living among the dead? Mm. And that just that just started flashing in my head because I thought that was not a question that the angel was looking for information to an answer. Usually, when you ask a question, yeah, you're you're looking for an answer. Yeah, this but is that, that was a rhetorical question. It was a rhetorical, but it was also I would say therapeutic. Yeah, and 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 something hit me in that question that. Mary was treating Jesus like he was dead. Yeah. You know, it, and it, well, and she came there to to put more spices on him. I mean, in other words, she had no anticipation of him being alive. The women didn't. And so it hit me, I thought we never want to treat Jesus like he's dead. Yeah. You know, in our in our life, right. it's not just a story that we're reading, and that you know, and, and we do that even at funerals, and we we go there, even modern day spirit filled people. We go we go to funerals, and and we we treat them like they're dead. Yeah, and you know, you look back when we studied the uh, the question that was asked to Jesus about what happens when. A woman is married seven times. Who she married mm-hmm. to at at the in the afterlife? And of course, he's like, "Well, to God, all are alive." Yeah. And uh, so I, I was thinking in that vein. And so I looked up on my phone. Now this is during while, while we're singing worship songs. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, we do the same thing with just as human beings. We have all these conspiracy theories about. You know, people, what if they die? And then we're like, well, I don't think they're really dead. And it usually goes back 40 like, years. Are you talking about like Elvis? Elvis or, uh, oh, Elvis Tupac. was number one, yep. Tupac, number two. And I noticed the time frame, because I asked you when we first sat down, I said, now, when did we decide that Luke was written? Because Luke wrote this much later. Yeah, most people say early to mid-60s. So it's like... Which would you know, have been some, thirty years after Jesus. Was. Somewhere Luke, in I between think Luke is around eighty. I'm looking. I looked that up when we were talking about that earlier. Well, some people say that I'm more because I think the destruction of Jerusalem still hadn't uh, happened. I hadn't happened because he's he's predicting it right. in his writing. Now he may have been just doing that in and the saying moment. what Jesus said. Saying what, but Jesus you would said. almost think he would have to if it had already happened. He would have had to have commented on what, what struck happened. me as hard to grasp. When you, when, when you get to the resurrection of Jesus, the women are going down there to take care of this dead body, Jesus. They entered, they did not find the body of Jesus, Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, now they're wondering about something, they said, well, how many times did he have to say, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to, the chief priest and teacher of the law are going to kill me. But in the three days, I'll be raised from the dead. Well, it happens. And then now the women are the ones watching it. But uh, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, so we've got people who've been with Jesus for the last three years. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still within Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men? He was. Be crucified? He was. On the third day be raised again? He did. Then they remembered his words. Now listen to this. When they came back, this part I'm not getting. When they came back from the tomb, the women, they told all these things to the eleven, all the Peter and all of them, and to to and and other, to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Johanna, Mary, the mother of James, the others with them who told this this to the apostles. Look, we've seen 
He's not there. He's risen. But they did not believe the women, Peter and all of them, because their words, here's what got me, seemed to them like nonsense. I mean, they're looking at the greatest resurrection savior of the world. He told them over and over, but all the way down to his death inside that tomb. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the stripes of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. (laughs) You would think they would be a little more versed. Well, we've come a long way in the area of underwear. I mean, I grew up in a time where the new pair of underwear was just taking the old pair and turning it inside out. <laughs> but we've come a long way. That's, right. That's exactly right. Why not be comfortable? The old tidy whities have uh, gone the way of the dinosaur with us, and uh, we're not afraid to talk about it. In fact, uh, my latest Tommy Johns that Lisa just got for me have uh, Valentine hearts on them. Um, so it even shows you there's romance uh, at times with your underwear. Too much information, Al. Thank you. Tommy John is a breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric, which that makes a big difference, especially in summertime. Uh, they stretch four times more than the competing brands, and they also move 16 different ways. So you got plenty of breathing room where you need it. And I've been a huge Tommy John fanatic for a long time, even before uh, they began supporting our podcast. They've sold over 20 million pairs of their lint-free, fuzz-free underwear, all featuring their famous, Jace, you'll love it, wait for it, the no-wedgie guarantee. Right. No wedgies. Uh, Thousands of five-star reviews. They don't have customers. They have fanatics uh, like me. Your most valuable assets are always protected at Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guaranteed. You got nothing to lose from giving them a shot. I think you'll love them. Shop Tommy John and get 20% off your first order right now at tommyjohn.com slash Phil. Save 20% for a limited time at tommyjohn.com slash Phil. See their site for details. I'm just saying you would think they would be a little more, have a little more faith. After all the speeches. And he's been telling them. Over and over and but over. To, to add to your point, Dad. Is that why in modern day America, they just have a hard time with dealing something dying and coming back to life. Well, because, Especially the one who said, that's what's going to happen. Because you don't see it, right? But, but in their case, they even saw him raise Lazarus. Yeah. So they yeah. knew it was possible. I mean, like, it does add to Ted's wonder and, and, like, befuddlement of how they could miss it, but they did. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I've got, I've got that same verse underlined in my, my Bible as I was going through this at verse 11. But these words seem to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But they, I mean, but think about what's happening here, because I think this is going to set us up for we may not get there today, but the next podcast for sure on the road to Emmaus will bring this to kind of its conclusion. But the, I mean, the reminder here is, hey, like they they show up at the at the scene and the body's not there, and that's when the guy the guys tell him, "Did you not remember what Jesus told you?" He's like going back to the whole thing. This is kind of what the whole plan was. So you would think at this moment it would be the big reveal because it, it's kind of anticlimactic though, because the big reveal is here and the guys, t- you know, see, he says that Jesus is, you know, he's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. Yep. I mean, he's, he's told, he's telling them like the whole thing, but they still, at this moment, I preach it yet, every, but, every Sunday. I preach that. Yeah. But they but they hadn't quite got it yet, which is an interesting reason. I think uh, we'll, we'll in a little bit we'll find out why. But I mean, spoiler alert! I mean, he opened their eyes so that they could receive this message and that they could understand what it meant. But in this moment, um, they're still kind of like in that place of despair, and I think it's because they didn't have. Um, you know, the Bible talks about you can't pour new wine into old wineskins or they'll burst. 
And I think this is an example of an old wineskin that had, had formed and that was crusty and it, 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 it just could not hold something like what was being poured into it. So they, they didn't have an imagination for even what this meant. Like, so they're, I mean, their mind, they're thinking, what are you talking about? Like, wait, what, like they, they, they're, they're, they don't have an imagination for a resurrected savior that they just don't even understand what that means at this point, which I think is pretty powerful to really kind of the whole thing that we've been talking about up at this point. We keep saying it's bigger, it's bigger, it's bigger. I mean, Jay's talked about it a lot in you know, previous podcasts about just the pair, the paradoxical nature of the gospel. They did not have room in their crusty, dried up wineskins to receive something so beautiful and so powerful as a resurrected Messiah. That is it. That in their mind, that's just. So here's beyond. another one I'll give you. As they talked and discussed these things with each other and walked along with them the women and the men and all of them, but they were kept, and God is the only one who would do this, they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? She didn't realize that she was talking to Jesus, he and he's questioning her, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. They're talking to Jesus, saying, he, he'll, he'll let us know sometime. I, well, to Zach's it point. It's just kind of To Zach's point odd. He, about the being spiritually blind, most people think that. I mean, I had to admit when I was a teenager and a follower, when I read that, I thought Jesus' body, he could... He could like do uh, what would be shapeshifter, yeah, <laughs> metamorphosis. Yeah, he could because he's also walking through walls and 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 he could have. I mean, so, one of the other versions, whenever he appears to Mary and the women, <clears throat> they thought he was the gardener. Well, obviously, he didn't look like he normally looked, or they would immediately recognize who he was. And she's like, sir, and then she has this conversation with him. So obviously she either wasn't seeing it clearly or he looked different on purpose. I, mean, so. I think Zach's more right. It's it's more about how you're you're viewing and perceiving. Well, because be. she, she it starts off, she came and and you have this question. But I will add something to Phil's point. Uh in, in John's version in chapter twenty and verse three, Peter and the other disciple, which everyone believes is John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Yeah, John picks it up at, at the end of what Luke describes, because he just ends with Peter and John, and then John actually describes it. Yeah, but it says the same thing yet differently, Yeah, but it gives you some, some clarification here. But the other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went, he just went straight into the tomb because that's Peter's personality. That's right. He saw the strips of linen lying there, just like we read in Luke, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus's head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, so John. But watch this little sentence. Yeah. He saw and believed. And it was basically what he didn't see that caused him yeah. to believe. Yeah. And then it, but, but then it says in verse 9, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And the reason that I'm reading that is because we just read in Luke's version, and you'll see the same word, had. In Luke 24, when, when the women found the stone rolled away from the tomb, when she entered, while they were wondering about this, the two men appear like lightning. In their fright, they bowed down with their face to the ground. And there's the question, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man 
must be delivered into the hands of men and crucified and on the third day be raised again. So the the question is, you see that in both. The, the answer from the angels and this statement that John parenthetically says that Jesus, he didn't just die, he had to die. Yeah. He had to be raised. Yeah. And I, I think that what the answer to that question is, is very profound. There's a difference in believing Jesus died and believing Jesus had to die. There's a difference in believing Jesus was raised and that he had to be raised. So, Zach, uh, our friends at uh, Covenant Eyes, who've um, really been trying to help with this uh, scourge of pornography for over 23 years, um, we love these guys and what they've been trying to do. And I'm, you know, we've been aware of their ministry for a long time. They've got a new program called Victory uh, by Covenant Eyes. But uh, just, you know, you worked a lot of young people, especially college age. Would you say this is a, a scourge in our culture? Oh, I would say starting at the age of about 11. You would be shocked at how many, how many young folks have been exposed to pornography. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an epidemic. I mean, it may be, in my opinion, one of the biggest public health crises of our lifetime. So this new program is called Victory by Covenant Eyes. is a powerful tool that helps Christians who are serious want to quit porn for good and or never start, which is even better. Uh, Victory combines industry-leading technology with decades of experience and leadership in recovery content, accountability, and, of course, most important, behavioral change. Once installed, Victory runs silently in the background of your devices and uses cutting-edge AI technology to watch for behavior that doesn't match your goals. Next, you will invite a trusted friend to be your ally. This is someone that can walk beside you through the ups and downs of recovery. Your ally will get push notifications of any porn use and reminders to have accountability conversations, even if everything is going well. The Victory app remains the hub for the recovery journey for you and your ally. You will find biblical and recovery-centric courses for yourself, your ally, and even your spouse. This is a conversation feature that allows allies to react to activity, ask questions, and also send a note of encouragement or a prayer request privately and within the accountability context. You go to covenanteyes.com slash fill, and you can download Victory on all your devices. Um, Living a porn-free life will bring you a new freedom to live honestly. Remember, accountability is not others calling you out on your sin, but calling you up to the person you are in Christ. So that's very important. So what are you waiting for? Check them out. Anyone can get started on their path to recovery for free by visiting covenanteyes.com slash Phil. That's covenanteyes.com slash Phil. Yeah, what's interesting about that, Jace, is that that the reference that both Jesus and in John's account, as he's recording this, that the reference they use is the scripture, which is interesting. Think, I mean, you think about what's happening here. He's saying that they did not understand the scriptures that, from the scriptures that Jesus had to die. And he's not talking about the New Testament because that hadn't been compiled yet. So he's talking about the Old Testament, and, and he's saying that they, they didn't quite get the Old Testament. And I was thinking about, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I'll say it again because it was, it was such a profound analogy to, I think, understand what's happening here. Uh, this weekend I watched, I rewatched the movie um, sixth sense with Bruce Willis, where he, you guys remember that, right? I, I see dead people, and it, it's it's crazy because once you have seen that film, and you get you get the big reveal at the end that Bruce Willis's character, um, Malcolm Crow, who plays a psychiatrist, who's treating this little boy that's having these visions of dead people, and at the end of the film, you re, you realize, oh my goodness, Bruce Willis, the psychiatrist. He's actually dead the whole time. He got murdered at the beginning of the film, and there's no way you could know that. Until it was revealed, but once you but but once it's revealed, you go back and try to watch the film again, yeah. and you're like, and you know, like everything takes on a different meaning. That's right, because now you have this greater revelation of the film, and and I, I think that's what's about to happen here in this moment. What we're going to get to on the uh, road to Emmaus, but it, it's because they're referencing, they're saying all those Old Testament prophets, all that stuff. You know, you didn't understand that that from that that the case has already been made. And I bet once they, once they, their imagination, once the wineskins bursted and they were able to receive a new wineskin, 
to hold this message of the kingdom of a, of a risen Messiah who was the true uh, Messiah of Israel, that he, he actually did come to save Israel. I bet they, what they probably reinterpreted, I bet they look back at all those Old Testament prophets and all those scriptures and thought, oh, that's, you can't, I can't unsee what I see now. Right. I think that's what's happening here. What's crazy is I have, I wrote down the six cents in my notes. <laughs> Did you I really? thought it's, yes, look, that's, six cents. Because yeah. it's the opposite of the gospel. The hero is dead, which, you know, we don't want to ruin the movie for you. But, but if you hadn't seen six Bruce cents, Bruce Willis now, is dead. <laughs> He, don't he, say, I, don't tell me a movie from 20 years ago. Come on. You that's what I'm here. saying. If you hadn't seen it, then that's, that's on you. That's right. And so I wrote down, you can only watch it twice. Because the second time, you're only watching with the end in mind. Yeah. You, you can't watch. You'll never have that first experience. That's right. You're exactly right. And I, I really think that is a great illustration. It's just, but it's the opposite of what Jesus did, which is awesome. Because the guy's dead. Well, you leave there thinking, well, that was a that was a That's bummer. A bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, dude, you're dead. <laughs> it's a horrible. But it's I do think ending. you could yeah. use it as as a catalyst to bring people to Jesus. Do you want to be like yeah. Bruce Willis or do you want to be like Jesus? Because and that I do think that's true. Because then it makes everything. Makes sense. So I I wrote down. I I I listened to a lot of uh, sermons, and I did a lot of research. And I was thinking that these principles that are interwoven in the last two chapters here is that the resurrection is a historical event, and the implications of it is just shattering to the world. It shatters your your paradigms, your thoughts on true power. I mean, it it just. It shatters it. But the reason I said historical, because when you look at all these details that we've already read about, these eyewitnesses, which, you know, I started this topic in me going and looking up on the Internet about people that have died that we think, oh, maybe they're not dead. But I noticed that usually lasts within 100 years, because after a while, everybody agrees, well, nobody's living much past a hundred. Even if they were, even if they were hiding out somewhere, they died there at some point. Well, exactly. Well, here's what I found the most fascinating. Which I was going to do this at the beginning, but we started talking about this. So when I'm looking up Elvis and all these people, to my surprise, I found out that I died last year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laying on a gurney, and my wife. And daughter are wiping tears from their eyes. And it's like, and I didn't click on it, but it was a video on YouTube and it had like 18,000 views. Please don't go watch it and let them make any money off this. <laughs> but I thought, oh my goodness, this is why I don't go in there and look for stuff like this. But it proves oh, my point. So who are you? I've, I've thought this whole time, you're Jace. Well, who are you? So this is what I was going to say in the spirit of Phil coming to the podcast with the military and not being on. In that worship moment, and Missy bumping me, I wanted to to rise up and say, hey, I'm alive. I'm alive. I've been raised. Because 18,000 people think you're dead. 18,000 people are convinced. We, we, did look, notice a we did notice a change in your personality not too many years ago. I, don't, I didn't know what happened. So yeah, there, that's maybe, it. But you, yeah. Know, you know what, what got me to thinking about that? is my other main points that not only is it a historical event, it is the key to understanding all scriptures. He, he says yeah. that over and yeah. over. If we just read the first section, we're going to miss it. But Zach pointed out rightfully so, but he keeps on bringing it up. Yeah. They, they didn't understand that all the scriptures are about Jesus in some way or capacity. It was, that was the point. Uh, this is the most powerful message ever. In the history of civilization, when you speak it, Phil's famous line, it always makes people mad, glad, or sad mm -hmm. because it is just that powerful. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that Jesus is a is the king of kings because it, it gets down to the end and he starts 
making these references to himself that the Messiah had to suffer and die. And he, he does that twice at the end. But then the last thing, which I was going to make a make a application for about me being dead after I, I had that, is that it's it's about him ushering in this kingdom. He's the king of kings, and that's what we're called to. We spend way more time talking about what Jesus saved us from, and rightfully so, you know, sin and death and, and limiting the evil powers that are in our world, because he did. He handcuffed all of it with this act. But then we're called to something. It gives us purpose. And I thought even something as simple as like baptism, reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection, you know, when you you read that in Romans 6, it actually, to the world's conspiracy of thinking, oh, is Elvis really still alive? And that's why you have so many impersonators. We get to live out that resurrection as we come to Christ and people see our lives and it points back to the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, when you think of Phil, when I, I see you before Christ and then after, it is a testimony to the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. That is correct. Because you died and you were raised and it was almost unbelievable. Right. And so, you know, in, in, I was- Five came out yesterday. Five lined up and said, we're, we're ready. Yeah. Baptize us. And they were ready to put that old I life down. I told them what we'd just been discussing, and it was enough for five of them to make the move. Old Me and old Birdie walked down there and we baptized them. I just wanted to read this real quick. I was trying to underline them before we started back. Uh, but then you're in your point to Romans 6, Romans 6, we've, we've preached this. We probably all have it just about memorized, but it's, I mean, this is the go-to verse on explaining what baptism is. And so often when we even talk about baptism, we, it, we, we reference it as a one-time event that has to do with your justification. But if you look at the context of Romans Romans six, which to your point, Jace, it's because that's about what you've been saved from. But what, but but it's it's not just about that. It's also about what we've been saved to. And listen to some of the language in Romans six and and in reference to baptism. It talks about that we are connected with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, in order that just as Christ is raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That that's ongoing stuff. That's what you're saved to. That we will also live with him, verse 8. That's what we're saved to, that we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what we're saved to. And and you just go on throughout the whole uh, context of Romans 6 when it's talking about baptism. It does re- He does reference, Paul does reference what we're saved from. Uh, clearly does. But he, but he doesn't leave it there. He adds to what we are saved to. So the full gospel of the kingdom is it's both and. It is what we're saved from, sin, death, hell, all that. But it's it's but it's, we're saved to life in Christ. And that is the that's the gamut of what the kingdom that we're being invited into is about. Can I give you some more firepower on that? We're thinking a lot alike today. So just just listen to Revelation one six. I'll I'll read five first, but to to Zach's point, what we're saved from, saved to. So Revelation 1, 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, because he has something that all other kings do not. But watch the next phrase, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins, that's what he saved us from, he liberated us. And he forgave us by his blood. So there's the cross. But watch what he saved us to and has made us to be a kingdom and priests, which what are priests? They're vocal mouthpieces intersecting heaven and earth, God and man, to serve his God and father, to him be glory and power and forever. And then he doubles down on it in Revelation 5. Same thing, this song that they sing, you know, looking at the lamb that had been slain in verse nine, it says they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, 
because you were slain, and with your blood you he used purchased men for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. So he purchased us with his blood. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. That's good. Mm. Save from, what, was the first, save what, was the, what was the first one you, you read? Revelation 1, 5, and 6, and Revelation 5, 9, and 10. So people see that, and they'll say, well, it doesn't seem like we're reigning on the earth. Well, if you start declaring Jesus as Lord, you'll get it. Yep. Yep. You'll get it. And it, it, it is the message that's, that's the the stopper to all conversations, philosophies, thoughts, conspiracies. You declare that, you're unleashing the same kind of power. So and another thing, I, there's a subtlety about this that I really think adds to the truth of this whole story. You know, back when we used to film the Little Duck Show, we would be doing something, talking about how we were going to present this scene or whatever. And there was a phrase, Jason, you remember it was, and Willie used to use it a lot, it was called on the nose. That's two on the nose. Meaning we were trying to be subtle, make a joke, or make us, you know, telling a story, but you didn't want it to be so much it looked like we were just being fake. And that this is on the nose. This story is not on the nose. There, there's like a lot of these doubting people. And, and there was a little thing, like even the women, they were going in Mark's account to put spices on his body. And on their way there, they looked at each other and they said, well, who's going to roll the stone away? That, but they didn't think about it until they're on the way because the stone has already been put up. And we know from Matthew's account, there's a Roman seal that's been put on it. There's guards there. And as they're going to do their duty when normally they would just go in because we wouldn't have all this security around this body. But they they don't even know how they're going to get spices on the body. Now, I think we should read that, out because I, I, I put down the same thing in my notes. And to me, that, remember, that, even the Romans had more belief in this moment yeah, than his true. followers. That's right. And, and I'll give you proof of that. In, in that Al alluded to it. So in Matthew 27, 62, it says, The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while he was still alive, speaking of Jesus, that deceiver said, which they're, isn't that something, hmm. that they're putting a nickname on Jesus that is should have been used for the evil one. That's right. Which is what Jesus was doing in his death, destroying the deceiver and the accusers' That's right. work. Hmm. So it says, yeah. that deceiver said, after three days, I'll rise again. So here you have a moment where the Roman soldiers are saying, remember what he said? And the disciples are saying, I don't even remember that. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. And the reason I think this is so important, because this is more than just legends don't do this. Yeah. They don't go into details, e even having the cloth folded up on the side. That's why right. why why is that in there? Right. So here they because they took the threat seriously. They said this crazy guy said that he was gonna come back. So what did they do? On, Give man. the order. Hang and on, James, before you read that, let's take our last break. And then it says, Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. Because mm -hmm. you got to remember, earthly powers are all about preserving of yourself and your, your power. So they were like, let's don't even give them an inch to come up with some story that we've made a martyr out of this guy and now he's come back from the dead, which goes back to our thoughts on Elvis and all this and Princess Diana and you know, people are like, oh, they're not really dead. They're, they're, they're still alive. So what did they do? Uh, then, well, then it says this last deception will be worse than the first. So that was their logic. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Which would mean, by the way, you put a Roman seal on something. That means if you mess with this, then 
what happened to the person inside here happens to you. That is correct. <laughs> so I mean, this was you mess with this, you get crucified. That was that's that was the deal. Let me tell you, you they couldn't hold Jesus. No, no, couldn't hold him. And what I love about it is these women were just going to to and weren't even sure how they were going to do it because it, how many times have you seen that when somebody dies, people just show up because they're not sure what they want to do, but they want to try to help. You know, and that's what they were thinking as they go there. When they get there, the tomb's already open and he's not in there. And there's angels saying, what are you looking for? The Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And so, and then of course we see in the Matthew context, there'd been a little earthquake in there, by the way, that happened at the same time. Exactly. Another one of these little random things that, you know, God was doing in the moment. But I just, to me... It struck me, and Jace is right, it makes it even stronger when you look at the everything behind it. Is not, This wasn't like orchestrated from the follower's perspective. They're just kind of stumbling in here. I mean, then they come back, they don't, they say, you you people are crazy, what, what do you mean? But then, then they These take women off. women are speaking nonsense. Right, they were like, this is a, what was it, your version, Zach? I love the way it was said it was a, a fool's tale or whatever. I mean, they were just yeah, like, idle, idle tales is what the ESV yeah, says. I like yeah, and that. Part of that and part of that, too, could be, you know, so one of the points that um, a lot of Christian apologists point out that these are called embarrassing details in, in the accounts of the gospel that you would have. And we've talked about this before, but yeah. you know, you're not going to have women come up on the scene if you're making the story up then the the Christian apologist would argue that you're not going to put that in there because that would have been, I mean, Josephus talked about the testimony of a, a woman, I think was like that of a dog. It just wasn't credit. You're not a credible witness. Like you're, so if I'm going to make it up and it's a, in this time period, I'm not going to put that and I'm going to put something way more credible. Uh, consequently though, that, that embarrassing detail that would have probably diminished the testimony of, of the risen Christ in the moment later becomes now we look back on that and that's when we do a historical analysis of it then that's actually giving credence to what happened so jace mentioned that it's a it's a an historical event uh, and it is a, it is a historical event and I, I think that's the part that you know when when you read this account most new testament scholars even the ones that don't believe in the resurrection of jesus they at least agree on certain what they call minimal facts and those minimal facts are such as that women discovered the empty tomb um, that and there's there's a, there's 12 or 15 of them. I can't remember how many there are, but they're like minimal facts that everybody believes in that the early disciples believe they had a vision of the resurrected Jesus that you know, that that um, the brother of Jesus thought that he saw and had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Now, they have explanations for all of those things, but there are these minimal facts that we that everybody agrees upon. And and one of the points that um, there's a, one Christian apologist that I, I used to follow a lot. He had uh, 12 minimal facts and then he went through with those minimal facts. I need to find this and we could talk about it on another episode. He went back and, and, and showed all the uh, ways that people try to explain this event away. And at the end of it, he said the only thing that would make sense is that is that Jesus was an alien. Or he he is who he said he was, and he says, and in a sense, he wasn't able. He came from out of this world. <laughs> he wasn't you know, of and, this world. That's exactly yeah. right. Well, it's like uh, in Mark fifteen twenty one. Uh, I heard a sermon one time about Rufus, and and I thought Rufus, and it was this. It was saying like when Simon, who carried Jesus's cross, fifteen twenty one of Mark says, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Well, who's Alexander and Rufus? Why, why would you put that in there? But then and, they show up later, right? And his point was, his point was, if you were making this up, if this was just a legend, well, after a few years when this is written, all these people that were there and that were recorded in this book don't you think somebody would rise up and say, "Well, wait a minute now, this this is a conspiracy that's gone too far too far." When you start writing a book about all this, yeah, and it held up because you got to remember there were dozens of people before Jesus, if not hundreds, who claimed to be God. There's been hundreds, if not thousands, since Jesus, who yeah. their leader 
claims to be God. Or and a spokesman for God. That's yeah, right. and what happened? It didn't hold up under scrutiny. They're dead. You go find their grave, and, and you dig them up, and they're in there. Jesus held up, and I believe it's because he wasn't there. And I've thought about it. If you were going to make this up from their perspective, it would make a lot more sense of having Joseph of uh, Arimathea and Nicodemus, a member of the high council and a Pharisee, instead of being the ones to just wrap the body and do women's work, quote unquote, for their period, for them to find an empty tomb. They would have had full standing, but no, it didn't work out that way. They were doing the job of the women initially with the body of Jesus, and then the women were the ones who actually discovered his resurrection. That just, again, every time you turn into this story, you see the organic nature of truth and not made up. I mean, these are things happening just like we would happen on a situation. I think the number one excuse for people who say that this didn't happen is they say, well, what happened was they— they they looked at the spiritual side of it. He was such a good man and a, such a good example that once he died, they just they were inspired, and these were they were they were spiritual principles. He didn't actually come back from the dead, but it was like he did, and you know. And this is a worldview of how because people think it's ridiculous. And I wanted to get this example in. Uh, you know, I was doing just looking through my stocks yesterday in the stock market. And you said, "Well, what does this have to do with what we're talking about?" <laughs> but this guy s- s- was going to give five uh, stock recommendations that were like real slow movers, and and that you he called them sleep well at night stocks, which is where they get the idea of Swan, where you can you know it's the famous uh, Warren Buffett line that says. If you can't make money while you're sleeping, you'll you'll work till you die, which is kind of funny. And so that's what everybody wants. But his opening paragraph for for his recommendations was this, and I want to read this to you because I think this answers the question on what Phil said about why people, especially the disciples, had a hard time wrapping their head around the death, burial, and resurrection. So here's his opening line to his five stock recommendations. Investors are baffled by a stock market that seems to defy the laws of God, man, and common sense. Because it's been rocketing up despite all the problems we're having in the economy and inflation. And it is, it's just rocketing up. But I looked at that and thought, well, that that might be a little bit of an overstatement. I'm, this stock market going up defies the laws of God, man, and common sense. And you're like, no, it does well, not. Well, I'm defy like, the laws of God. now I see why people are not believing in the resurrection yeah. because we tend to think, well, that just defies the laws of God, man, and common sense. Some guy didn't come back from the dead, right. and he came from heaven. And that's why I think we don't want to believe. No, this happened. Yeah, that's right. We're out of time. Uh, We'll pick up uh, right here on our next podcast. We'll see you there on Unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.